0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. We've got a new music and a new intro video, which I didn't know about until about two seconds ago. So those of you who are watching were almost as surprised as I was, but it looks very smart. So thanks to our producer, Dan, for doing that. Um, I mean, I was going to come up with some fancy words, but I suppose the only words that matter in Nottingham Forest to is the Premier League after beating Huddersfield at Wembley. And I know we're going to get into all the details, what it all means and what a special day it was. Uh, in the company of BT Sports, Darren Fletcher. Fletch, what a day. How are you today?
1: Oh, um, I'm, glad I've got, I'm glad I don't have to commentate on the Champions League <laughs> final today because the voice is not great. Um, Head swimming. Woke up this morning and it was still real. So that was a bonus because <clears throat> I wasn't sure. And when he said there, you've got a new intro music, and new pictures and all that kind of thing, we've got a new fixture list as well. And that's what matters more than anything. I think it's June the 16th that we get to find out when we play everybody and, and all that kind of thing. I mean, what a day. I mean, the thing that will live with me forever. Two things. The first one is the support. that I mean, that it was astonishing. I mean, I remember... <clears throat> excuse me 1992 i was there i was working I was, I was on the radio then and i think we all took it for granted to a certain extent because we went to wembley so much but to see everybody there yesterday i was kind of pinching myself thinking is this what it used to be like in the 90s and the 80s and, and you know the 70s because it was just it was just unreal the noise and the colour i mean it talk about paint the stadium red it was off the scale never doubted it but to actually visualise that, you know, 36, 37,000 forest fans. And there were more because there were loads in the Huddersfield end as well. <clears throat> right below where I was, they all walked around towards where Forest were at full time. It was brilliant. It was like the mass exodus. I loved it. Um, and the other thing was when uh, Steve's son, Alex, ran onto the pitch and jumped into his dad's arms while all the celebrations were going on. I'm an old romantic anyway, and that had me in floods. I mean, it, there wasn't a dry eye where I was. It was brilliant. I mean, what an astonishing day, what an astonishing season, what an astonishing club and what an astonishing group of supporters. Absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, fathers and sons. I mean, there would be kids who were walking down Wembley Way with their dads 30 years ago and now they're the dads. And you were there with your wife and your kids. I mean, as a family day for supporters, it, it goes out saying we're never going to forget it, are we?
1: I've never seen my son like that yesterday. Um, You can tell when a child's excited because they giggle uncontrollably and speak (laughs) all the time. And that's exactly what he was like for 90 minutes. All all the way through, he was nervous. I mean, to to do it with him and my daughter and my wife was there and, and the amount of people I saw heading into Wembley in family groups was amazing. And I think one of the big things that I take away from this season is that the family feel is back at the club. You know, it's what Steve Cooper wants. That little huddle in the changing room after the match where he said, I've got two things to tell you. You know, one is spend time with your family and people who have been good to you because it means more to them than anybody else. And then the second thing is we're back in the Premier League and he gets mobbed. It feels like a family club again. The amount of people who go in groups, <clears throat> families who are there all the time, and to see that walking up Wembley Way and around the ground and all that yesterday was so special.
0: I Suppose we should add a bit of context. I mean, you know, winning Wembley winning at Wembley in itself is enough. But I remember you were on with me in September and we were discussing where do fifty points come from, never mind seventy-five and getting in the playoffs and all this.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, this leads to never been to fulsome praise of Steve Cooper and well deserved, but the turnaround, I mean it it does beggar belief, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely beggars belief. I mean, I remember all the fuss that was made about Crystal Palace when Ian Dowie went in a few years back and they went on that remarkable run and got promoted to the Premier League but to be rock bottom and and at the time everybody was saying me included you included is Steve Cooper the right man that can actually keep the team in the championship this had nothing to do with getting promoted or finishing halfway it was whether we could be better than three other teams in the division and to see the run unfold as it has is is amazing really um to be close to it and to speak to to the people in there, to speak to Steve, which I'm fortunate to do, to to get to have a, a conversation with, with people behind the scenes, the club hierarchy, and, and, and chat to the players when you bump into them. It becomes a little bit more real because there's such a togetherness and such a bond and such a belief. I thought it was fascinating what Joe Worrell said on the pitch yesterday, that he said it's like, a, he describes Forrest as being like a whipped dog. Mm. That if you mistreat a dog, you get an aggressive dog. And if you um treat the dog right, you get a kind dog and he said he feels like Forrest the club had been treated like a whipped dog. And I think there's 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 such a there's such a togetherness down there and a feeling of of one that great things can happen when you've got good people all moving in, in the same direction. And I think it's easy at the minute to talk about the players and to talk about Steve obviously, because they had to get out there and get the points and do what they they did. But this has been building for a little while and you've got to talk about the people behind the scenes as well. The chairman, Nick Randall, who doesn't say a great deal. He stays out of the way. He's the chairman. He attends all the meetings and does what he does. He's a very, very, very solid, secure, intelligent figure behind the scenes. Dane Murphy's come in from Barnsley and look at the impact that he's had. I mean, the big decision he had to make this season was... When do I sack Chris Shewton and who do I appoint? And he was completely focused. We've talked about this on Steve Cooper. Didn't really want anybody else. And the recruitment, you know, has been outstanding. You know, when you think about it, the lone players that they picked have worked. You know, and and I think Forest supporters would take all of them into the Premier League next season. You know, Jed Spence, James Garner, Keenan Davis. Um, uh, I'm missing one. Um, Max Logue. Well, well, yeah, I mean, sensational. You know, they've put a, Steve Cook. I mean, they've, they've put a team together extremely well. And, you know, they've proved themselves against Premier League teams in the FA Cup. It's a different story over 38 games in the Premier League, which we'll get to. But a lot of people, very, very good people behind the scenes who aren't on the back page of the paper, who aren't maybe familiar to all the supporters are working so hard and have worked so hard to help the club get to where it is today. And this is a collective, it's a joint thing. Yes, Stephen, the players are going to get the headlines and so they should. And they're going to get the adulation on the, you know, the balcony of the council house at one o'clock. We're doing this at this time. So so me and my family can get there and enjoy it. I was there in 79 when they first bought the European Cup round on the open top bus. So I'm going to take my family and watch that today. I can't wait. Um but a lot of people deserve a lot of credit. And all I'd say to Forest supporters now is, yes, next season's going to be difficult, but the right people are in the right places and the right positions to give the club the best opportunity to get there. And let's have a word on the owner too. You know, he put so much of his own money in as a championship club just to keep it alive. And people don't know that. We always judge owners by, oh, they got the manager wrong, or they got the manager right, or are they going to be active in a transfer window? But the reality of a situation at a club like Forest, because they've not the great, got the great corporate um, thing behind them in terms of there's not a great deal of, of lounges down there and boxes, and they can't generate much income, but they've got a very competitive championship wage bill and the fact that the ground needs to be bigger because based on yesterday, we could probably fill it twice. Yeah. <laughs> he puts so much of his own money in just to keep it all flowing and keep it right and keep them to within financial fair play and run the club properly. So outside of what he's going to do in transfer windows and all of that, everything that he's done behind the scenes to actually keep, keep the club active and keep it where it is, that needs to be acknowledged as well, I think.
0: Um, there's so many people commenting and I, there's too many for me to put up. So, But I do appreciate it and keep them coming. Uh, I'll go back through them later. Before we get into the nitty gritty of the game, just on the kind of emotion of watching it yesterday, I mean, you're going to disagree with me here, I think. I found the semi-final... Just absolute torture and more tense. I felt more relaxed yesterday for whatever reason. I think you're going to tell me it was unbearable yesterday.
1: I, I felt different because I'll be honest with you, and I've spoke to a lot of Forest fans about this. Second half against Sheffield United, I couldn't see Forest winning. No, I, I'd almost started the process of we'll be okay next year. We'll be all right. You know that I was already in mourning for the season, really. And then it, it just felt different. Yesterday, I said to somebody yesterday, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but I said, when you've been away for from for 23 years from the Premier League, you can't then go to Wembley and lose to Huddersfield. You just, that just, That's just not the way it is. That doesn't, that can't happen. So I'd, I'd almost kind of gone, we'll be all right. And then first half, I was fine. Get the goal, great. And we all said at time, get a second goal and that's it. And then, for some reason, either Huddersfield stepped it up, Forest started thinking about defending what they got, reality starts to set in, we didn't pass the ball very well. Back three, by the way, outstanding. Um, and then it got really twitchy. And I mean, I was absolutely dying a thousand deaths watching that game. It was, I don't, well, I don't know. And then, full time. Explosion. It was absolutely unbelievable. I, I, I don't know. I... It, everybody's got their own way of dealing with situations like this and, and we're all waking up this morning thinking, well, at least we're there. You know, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday now, that's it, we're all right.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a classic at all, but a lot of those games aren't. I was trying to think, like, how many... Know,
1: I've never seen that. Don't you tell me that's not a classic yesterday?
0: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, how many, playoff, how many moments do you remember at Wembley? I
1: it's, it's a classic. It's a classic. We'll all check
0: back. I was thinking of playoff final moments I remember. It's obviously Charlton and Sunderland. And yeah. then as Bobby Zamora's goal against Derby, I don't remember to because you, it's just a place for winners, isn't it? And like you yeah. say, hook or by crook, Forest won and they, they circled the wagons around Samba brilliantly. They deserve to ah, win. Listen,
1: up I play golf. And when you put your card in at the end, there are no pictures on the scorecard. Whatever number you've got down there is what you've got. How you got it doesn't matter. And, and how you get to the Premier League is irrelevant. I listened to a load of nonsense after the match. From the Sheffield United manager, this, that, and the other, second leg, this, second leg, that, second leg, the other. Did he forget that in the first leg, Forrest should have scored eight? Because that Mm -hmm. never seemed to get a mention. So, over the balance of the two legs against Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield United, rather, Forrest should have beaten them, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, four on aggregate, if they'd have taken the chances. So, get rid of that. I thought Carlos Corboran yesterday was fantastically dignified at the end. If you think about the two penalty appeals yesterday, I'm surprised that at least one wasn't given, and maybe both. And I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of open a can of worms, but I'm not quite sure why they bothered with VAR because if you look at the VAR, there is contact on from Colback on on Toffolo and Jack himself on the pitch after, basically said that he thought it was a penalty. And the second one, which they didn't even look at, was was bizarre. Forest fans are going to say, and I get this, I'm with you, that the amount of penalties that Forest haven't got this season bad penalty decisions if it, if it is going to level itself up it did it yesterday so that's fine but you know kind of on that i think on another day and next year in the premier league they'll they'll be given so there was an element of luck in there but it doesn't matter how you get there you know as you say you met you you remember the winners if you get a classic great but let's not worry too much about that i mean I said to I said to somebody before the match, "I'll take one nil off somebody's backside," and we nearly got that, didn't we? We got it off the defender's thigh instead, or whatever it was. So it nearly came true, but that's fine. As long as you lift the trophy up at the end, it really doesn't matter. It Doesn't matter what Paul Heckingbottom says. Doesn't matter what anything. We're in the Premier League, and that's what anybody's got to worry about.
0: Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I've only seen them seen them on the little screens, the monitors you get at Wembley. But I thought the first one. It was hard to overturn. If you give a yellow card, it's hard for VAR to overturn that. So I can kind I've, of see why that one was I've, given.
1: I've, I've seen softer penalties than that. Yeah. yeah. by VAR in the Premier League this season.
0: The, well, I'll make one more point point, then I'll come back to that because you're right. And then the second one I thought was a nailed-on penalty in real-time viewing, watching it back. Uh, I'm so surprised that wasn't given. If that was at the other end, I'd be talking about that for 10 years if Forrest had lost that game. So, yeah. I, I mean, I suppose... Just, I don't want to dwell on VAR, but it does come back to VAR being a bit subjective, doesn't it? It's not technological. It's still a bloke who's watching a video screen in Stockley Park having his say.
1: You know what? Let's not get off the beaten track. But I sat there in Paris on Saturday night. and The team sheet came out. It tells you the referee is the VAR was a fellow called Jérôme Brissard. And then Jérôme Brissard had three VAR assistants. So there were four people in that room for the Champions League final. And you can imagine the arguments that they'd be having together over whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Surely it's got to be the referee's view, one VAR person's view, and that's it. And if it's not obvious, just get on with it. Um, I was a little bit concerned by John Moss being the referee in the first place, because I've got a lot of experience of watching him referee games. And I can't really remember getting back in the car after too many and saying, he has a good game today. I, you know, I, I think John's one of the weakest on the Premier League list, and I was concerned. And that's a big game for him to have yesterday. And by the grace of God, and if you're a Huddersfield fan, you don't think this, but by the grace of God, things went Forest Way yesterday. But if you're a if you're a, if you flip that round, and those penalties, as you say, were ones that might have gone Forest Way, he'd be getting battered this morning for that, mm-hmm. for that performance, wouldn't he? But look, doesn't matter in the Premier League. Let's not worry too much about the details is what I've been saying to everybody. do not worry about the details. I picked up a newspaper this morning and on the back it said Forest Promoted and that was good enough for me. I didn't need to argue it any more than that.
0: Who stood out for you in the game? If anyone was head and shoulders above anyone else.
1: I thought Scott McKenna was the best player on the pitch and I thought he was assisted brilliantly by the two fellas alongside him, Joe Worrell, Steve Cook. I thought the back three was, was the reason why we're in the Premier League based on yesterday. I thought McKenna was, was outstanding. I thought James Garner out of possession was excellent, but I thought both him and Ryan Yates in midfield struggled passing the ball. Steve took the decision to start with Keenan Davis, but he didn't look completely fit to me. Um, But I think the ones who stood out yesterday were the back three, and in particular, Scott McKenna. Um, And I think if they keep that unit together next season, it's a unit that they can hope to rely on in the Premier League, whether they decide to bring one more in or whatever the case is, I don't know. But I just thought yesterday, I think Scott in general over the course of the season, It's easy to kind of pick the fellas that score the goals, you know, Brennan Johnson, et cetera, the wonderful campaigns. But he's glued that team together, I think, in many, many, many ways. And in a lot of games, he's been outstanding. Maybe doesn't get the credit outside of the Forest fan base that he deserves, because I know the supporters um, completely appreciate what he does. But I think he's been outstanding, McKenna. I thought he was yesterday. He deserved that performance yesterday, I thought.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I thought what you said Just about Garner. was...
1: In general as well about Jack Colback, because, you know, Jack's a central midfield player and Jack's a different wing-back to Jed Spence. You know, Jack's not going to go past the opposition fullback or wing-back and whip-crosses cross, whip in, But he's got in there to play as a wing-back this season because Forest needed him to do that. And he's been outstanding. I've not seen him have a bad game as a, as a left wing-back. And when you think he's played his entire career as a central midfield player, it's fantastic in there. He wants to play in there. doesn't want to play as a left wing-back, but he's done it for the team. As unsung heroes go, Jack Colback is right there at the top of the list because he he did a job for a team that needed a job doing and did it brilliantly and did it brilliantly yesterday as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I thought Garner was really good without the ball, like you say. Uh, Yates threatened to have a really good game and at times he was really good and at times he was a bit sloppy with the ball and perhaps that sums up for us. But it's so nerve-wracking, isn't it? It's got to be so hard for a player to go out and perform like 10 out of 10 on an occasion like that.
1: Yeah. All I'd say, though, and, and, you know, we've seen them play against Arsenal and Leicester and Liverpool. And I thought in those games, one of the, the big things we did well was keep the ball. And as a Premier League team next season, we've got to keep the ball. You know, it's essential. You can't give the ball away in the Premier League cheaply. And maybe yesterday was about nerves and maybe yesterday was about the occasion. One thing that the team does have to do extremely well every game next season is keep the ball because if you don't keep the ball in the Premier League you don't see it again until the opposition have had their fussy out and by then you can be a goal down so they have got to do that so um that would be an area where you'd say that needs to be a strength next season
0: Um Lastly on the game and we're going to do another one of these tomorrow with the fans we're normally on so we'll talk about train chaos and everything you've had enough yeah. chaos with fans haven't you this weekend with the Champions League and everything so yes yes
1: Yes 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 yeah my, my my wife and family were caught up in the the disturbances outside the ground in in Paris so it's been a it's been a, a it was a traumatic saturday and a very enjoyable sunday yesterday yes. was organized but at Wembley from from my standpoint I can't speak for the people on the trains but it was it was great for us yesterday a great atmosphere you know great camaraderie between the two sets of fans to see them Walking up Wembley Way before the game in red and white and blue and white, and, and it, it was fantastic. So that was that was a credit to both sets of supporters.
0: Yeah, we'll do more on that tomorrow with um, Mikey, Greg, and Temps, who are really on. Were your wife and kids all right in the end on Saturday?
1: Yeah, in the end, I mean, it didn't get in till about fifteen minutes before um, kickoff, and it, it, a lot of a lot of the blame's being levelled towards um, the supporters. But I was inside, so I don't know. But their version of events was that. The French police were very heavy handed. The organization was virtually non-existent. And there were lots of gangs of local youths around the stadium causing a tremendous amount of of problems, mugging supporters, fighting with the police, creating disturbances. The big problem was that the the authorities, whether it came from the police or, or UEFA or whoever, I don't know, had decided to close off various exits so uh, entrances rather, so to get thousands of people into a stadium, they would create in bottlenecks. So there was a lot of crushing and there was a lot of issues in terms of, you know, we can't get in and all that kind of thing, which which led to a lot of concern outside. And a lot of danger too, because there was there were, there were lots of people trying to get into very small spaces all at the same time because they closed lots lots of the entrances off where the Liverpool fans in particular were trying to get in. Um, so it, it, it was an organisation... Problem, I think that would be my opinion, and the issue lie lies with UEFA, lies with the French police, and the fact that they couldn't control the situation and didn't seem prepared for what they were having to deal with on the day.
0: Hmm. Well, I'm glad they're all right, and as you say, it was much better at Wembley yesterday. I mean, last word on Wembley: you've been there so many times; I've never been before. I didn't want to go unless Forest were for playing, but I know you'll have been there a lot. Just in terms of the noise and the atmosphere at the end with those celebrations, was that as loud and as you know, buoyant as anything you've heard
1: at Wembley? You can only be so loud, can't you? If everybody's singing, you can only be so loud. So it's never been louder. No, that's as loud as it gets. You know, that's it. The only way it would be louder is if you put more supporters in. But I mean, that's about as many as you get, because, you know, for cup finals and what have you, it's a lot more corporate than that. So the playoff final is always an occasion where you get the majority of supporters for the respective teams in the stadium. So, no, I've never heard Wembley louder. In fact, you know, the Euros, I would say, yeah, semi final of the euros when england gets through and it's it's an england crowd different but for a club match i mean that is that's as good as it gets that's as good mm. as it gets it was mm. it was probably that loud in 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 89 and 90 when they won the league cup so i just I, my ears just don't remember that you know but it probably was but there you go
0: let's turn the clock forwards then what are your thoughts on next season you see so much of the premier league let's be realistic are forest aiming to be like brentford or are they just Desperately aiming to finish 17th.
1: I've had a message from my mate this morning, Tim, who season ticket holder, and he's, he's buzzing. And he said, I've just looked at the Premier League. He said, how the hell did we get 40 points against that lot? So when you look at it, you think, wow. I think it's going to be one of the strongest Premier Leagues next season. When you think about the players, the teams that got relegated, the teams that are coming up, the ones that are in there. When you look at where Aston Villa finished in the table, and you think of the players that they've got, and they've just signed, and they, they were what? I don't know, 15th, 14th, you know, Southampton just avoided relegation. They were flying high in the top half for, for a lot of it. There's a lot of strong teams in the division. Um, the recruitment's going to be key, obviously. But I also think the players that that Forest keep is important too. I said before the season started um on Five Live that I thought of all the promoted teams last season, Brentford had the best chance to stay up simply because they knew who they were and what they did. And I think if you do that. You go into the Premier League and you can get early points because you're not changing things. I think the teams that sign a boatload of players and almost have to learn the system again, learn their roles again, all has to be defined again. By the time you've worked that out in a a league like the Premier League, you're that far behind. You're never going to be good enough to catch things up. It's been Fulham's mistake the last two times they've got promoted. And I'll be fascinated to see how they go about it this season. I'm a big believer the players that got you there are potentially good enough to keep you there, provided you tweak it a little bit and add a bit of quality. And that's what Brentford did, paid off for them. Other teams have done it as well. Brighton got promoted under Chris Hughton, basically kept the same team, stayed up by the skin of the teeth, but they were fine. Aston Villa as well, you know, they were able to do it relatively similarly to what they did when Sam Allardyce got bolted up all those years ago, didn't make a great deal of changes year one. Burnley, when they got promoted, kind of stuck with the team they got, survived and then went again. I'd like to think that the nucleus of the Forest team is going to be able to to start the season, give them the platform in the Premier League next season and then work it from there. I would be more concerned if I look at the Forest team in August for the first fixture and seven or eight players have changed from the one that played yesterday. You know, I look at that group and if they could somehow do a deal to get Jed Spence either on loan again if he gets bought or buy him, back three if they can keep that together with the goalkeeper I think they've got to work out what they do on the left side of defence as a wing back and then don't change a great deal you know if you go into the season you've got Brennan Johnson on one side if you can keep him believe in it you might need a better number 10 or you might want to play three in midfield but I just kind of look at it and think the teams that go about it best are the ones that give the players who got them there the chance and then Add a bit of quality. And I'd like to think that that's the way they're going to go. But the flip side of that is I wouldn't um, question the recruitment, the policy, and I wouldn't question Steve Cooper's judgment because I think he'll bring good players in. So I'm quite optimistic. You know, look, it's the hardest thing in the world. You know, you think about Watford and Norwich, 20-odd points this season, and it took, what, 35? The team above them was relegated with 35. So you've got to get the 36 37 and then you've got a fighting chance. And you've just got to do it step by step. You can't get bogged down by what's ahead. Take every point that comes a draws not a bad result at the Premier League. Let's not forget that. You know, i going to win all, all the time. Draws a good, good result, get a point on the board, move it on. But you know, I, I I've got faith in in the fact they'll go about it the right way. There's quite a statistical approach to how they do it, an analytical approach in there. It's, it's the way they do it, the way they they select players. So I'm pretty sure they'll be they'll be, you know, fully equipped to get the right ones in. But I'm just hoping that there's been a lot of speculation, Matt, about the players who are going to leave and whether they can keep X, Y, and Z. And I'd like to think they can sit down with everybody now and, and have a fair crack at keeping the ones in there that have got them there because they deserve it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see them keep I mean, all, all the loaning. Well, three of them, certainly. I mean, Davis, uh, I might ask you about that after if there's a deal to be done there. I would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> I think Zink and Eagle will go back to Watford. They'll want yeah. him, won't they, to try and get back up? But like you say, I mean, I don't think for Gibbs-White today, he'd be a good signing, I think, that kind of young... I
1: think the Gibbs-White thing is interesting because he worked with Steve for England as a as a younger mm-hmm. player and there doesn't seem to be a defined role for him at Wolves. What I'm told is that a lot of big clubs like Morgan Gibbs-White. So I think if Forrest could get Morgan Gibbs-White and play him as a 10 in the Zink and Agle position, you've got a good player there. But whether... They're able to do that, whether Steve's pull is enough there. then. But if, if that's the kind of player you're looking at for next season, then it's both intelligent and the player is talented. So all of a sudden you're looking to build something, aren't you? As mm-hmm. opposed to, let's go and get a gaggle of foreigners from all over Europe and spend millions and millions of pounds and hope we catch lightning in a bottle. Because let's not forget, before Forest recruitment was better, that's the way they were going about it in the Championship. So we don't really want to see that again. So you want to go down that road where it's a process and you get the right ones and you identify them quickly and you get them in. But, but players like Morgan Gibbs-White are the kind of players that you, you want to see. And I agree with you. I think Zink and Agle's played his part this season in the Championship, but I don't think he's going to be good enough to do that in the Premier League. And it is going to be interesting because in the, in the Championship, Steve's tended to play the two with Ryan Yates and Garner and then Zink and Agle's been able to float around and play it as a 10 and, and try and make things happen. I wonder whether he might think he needs one more in midfield with a bit of industry in the Premier League because Premier League midfields are so strong. It's a big area. You think about the three-man midfields in the Premier League are so difficult to play against. If you go against them with two, you've got a problem. Uh, I think we saw that four spells against Sheffield United in the second leg where they were one short sometimes in midfield and that's where the game was being dominated, particularly second half by Sheffield United. So I think as a Premier League club, they've got to make sure they get that balance in midfield just right.
0: Yeah, I think they definitely go out and buy a proper holding midfielder, you know, powerful, nasty player would do quite well for me. Even if he doesn't play every game, you need someone I
1: to... I no, Kante's not particularly happy at Chelsea, so that'll be a good play. <laughs> all right.
0: He's not the biggest though. <laughs> I think they'll probably get a centre-half as well because just for depth, if Figueredo goes, I think they'll have to get someone else in as cover, of quality cover. What about Graben? Uh, he's out of contract now.
1: I mean, we spoke about this, didn't we? And I think yeah, yeah. for, for Graben and Taylor is a salary and produ- overproduction. And I think if if Lewis Graben wants to stay, then you know maybe there's a role for him if he's fit. And he comes off the bench. I don't think I don't think Lewis Graben's a starter in the Premier League by any stretch. But I think he could be an impact player off the bench because he's a fantastic finisher, and you need goals. So you're not going to give goals away, but I think he's got to fit within the, the budget and he's got, to be, he's got to be sensible in terms of what he's asking for. You know, I don't think he's going to get any kind of long term deal, is he? So, you know, I, I, just, I just think the problem is when, when you see teams get promoted and then get relegated, you always look at the same thing and you say they just didn't score enough goals. Mm-hmm. It's all right scoring goals in the championship, but it's entirely different score goals in the Premier League. So you've got to get a source of goals. You've got a source of goals, you'll be all right. I always think that was the biggest problem Forrest had when they were in there before. If they he got promoted and kept Kevin Campbell and Pierre Van Hooydok, they've got a fighting chance. But when you go to Arsenal on the first night of the season with Glenn Hodges as your forward, you've got no chance. So I think they've got to go into this season now feeling they can score goals. Um, and I think Keenan Davis can play in the Premier League. He has played in the Premier League. And I think if you, you put your arm around him and coach him and, and help him get better, there's potential still within and we've seen on occasions this season, some of the goals he scored, you think, how is he not getting 25 a season? I remember one at the City ground. Not, I can't remember it was against, but he picked it up midway inside the opposition half, ran into the box like Stan Collymore used to do, and side-footed it into the corner. And you're saying, well, go on then, big fella. I've seen Kevin Campbell score that goal at the City ground. I've seen Stan do it. You know, I've seen good players do that. So if you can do that more often, in terms of his physical attributes, his bravery, his intelligence as well, you've got to play it. And I've been in Steven Gerrard's rib from Thursday, because he came with us for BT for the Champions League. And every time we sat down, he's got to sell us Keenan Davis. You've got to sell us Keenan Davis. Come I on, you've got to sell us Keenan Davis. So I've done my bit. I've I've Stevie's now gone on holiday. So look, you can do it. Give us Keenan Davis. I've tried. I've tried. I've done my best.
0: You have. You have, certainly. What's Brennan's potential in the Premier League? Is it, is it fair of us to expect 10 goals out of him in the first season? Because they're going to need something, aren't they,
1: like that? I think, so. I think so. I think so. And I'd like to see it. You know, I want to see it in a forest shirt. You know, the fact that decent-sized clubs in the Premier League are being linked with him, and I know they're interested in it because I've spoken to people who've told me that they're interested in it. So there are clubs in the Premier League who like him, good clubs. Now, if they like him, that shows that they think he can play in the Premier League. Um. And I've got no doubt that he can score goals in the Premier League. I thought as a finisher, over the course of the season, you could see his game develop. That he became a more natural, comfortable player in front of goal at that level as the season went on. He was starting to take goals instinctively and he was starting to stick the ball away impressively. And I think he's going to score goals if they get him into the position to score them. And he's he's got speed. You know, he can, he's can. he got good pace. And in the Premier League, you need that. You need a player that can score, play with pace. They've got to keep him. You know, they've got to get the, the, the new contract under his nose. He needs to sign it. He needs to commit himself to the club. But I think the most important thing, and, I, and I, I'm surprised they didn't do it after Sheffield United, and they certainly should have done it by this morning. Steve Cooper's got a year left. Mm. And they cannot, cannot lose that man. Cannot. They could manage losing anybody else and replace them. But the heartbeat of that club is him. And they've got to sit down with Steve, said all the right things post-match yesterday. He said said post-match on Sky, he said, being the Forest manager has changed my life. He said, it certainly changed my career. And I'm lucky enough, I get to sit and have a cup of tea with his dad, Keith, and his brother, Neil. Lovely people. And they adore the city of Nottingham as a family. They adore Nottingham Forest. This is not baloney for show. This is, he adores the club. And if anybody deserves a long-term contract, it's Steve Cooper. And they should sit down with him ASAP. In fact, they should have done it by now. And I, I hope they have. I don't know whether they have. I might be saying all this and they might announce it later on today. But they should do that. The first thing, the first order of business for this club, forget the fixtures, forget the season tickets, forget who you're going to buy, forget who you're going to sell, forget who you're going to release. Get the manager locked up on a long-term contract because I guarantee you this, there are clubs in the Premier League that will come for him if they don't, even if Forrest struggle next season, his CV now is good enough that Premier League clubs will go, we'll have him. And he needs to be looked after, he needs to feel happy, he needs to feel loved, he needs to be supported, and then he can really build something special. But they've got to get Steve Cooper signed up on a long-term contract, ASAP, and then everybody can laugh. And I think that will seriously help the recruitment as well, because players will want to come and play for him, because his reputation within the game is fantastic. And even more significantly, managers will be happy to send their players to him Because, as I've said so many times, I'm like a broke record on here. They know that he's going to make the young player better when they go back. So it's a win-win. And all I want to see is news released from the club, long-term contract with Steve Cooper. We can all then breathe a sigh of relief and then we can let things happen organically and, and let's see it build.
0: Uh, I'm hoping producer Dan's alert in the background. He's got a 30 second clip of Cooper teed up. If he wants to play it now, let's see.
1: But it's been a brilliant season, you know, in terms of the ca- attitude, the culture. That that you know, the training ground is such a good laugh, you know, and um, there's such a um, such a pride in there and such a, a togetherness. And um, yeah, it's been a brilliant to be part of it from 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 day one, and that's that's all I am. It's just. Yeah, I'm just really proud to be at you know at Nottingham Forest. It's just such a nostalgic, brilliant, massive club in the country that everybody knows, and I'm just pleased that you know I've been part of the journey that got us back to the to the Premier League. Hmm. Sounds great. Mm.
0: Well done, Dan, on the ball.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, that that is a humble man. That is a man who's grateful for the opportunity he has. It's a person that you gravitate towards. You know, the players love him. I and mean, yesterday he's doing the post-match thing with, with Stuart Pearce and Prutz and Michael Heffler. And they are all round him tipping champagne on his head and all this kind of thing. I mean, they adore the fella. You know, and, and that's, that's half the battle. The respect and the love that you've got for your manager is going to dictate whether you go the extra yard. You know, when it's difficult and you're knackered or you're injured, are you going to play or are you going to let him down? And mm. you, you're, you're sitting there and you look inside yourself and you think... He won't let me down, so I can't let him down. Mm. And that's that's invaluable. He's got my back, so I've got his. Yeah. And that, that love for the club is genuine. It's genuine.
0: Like you say, that's half the battle. I think the other half is adding quality players. We saw with Norwich and Watford, they just didn't do it. I mean, I do you think Maranakis' ego as much as anything, as well as his pockets, is such he's going to throw money at it? He's going to back his recruitment team now to at least try and get Forrest's what they need to compete
1: next season. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? The amount of money that he's put from his own bank account into the club as a championship club, just to keep it going. Why would you not, as a Premier League club now, have a go? I don't think he's in it to fart about in the championship, is he? He wants to be in the Premier League. He wants to own a club in the Premier League, which he now does. And he's made a real success of doing that in Greece at Olympiakos. They play in the Champions League a lot. They've got good players. And when you think about the players from that club, who have come to the Premier League. Jose Saru's at Wolves. is a damn good goalkeeper. Kostas Simikas is at Liverpool. He's a very good left-back. Would, would play if it wasn't for Andy Robertson, by the way. Mm-hmm. Daniel Podence at Wolves is a very good attacking player. Three players who have all come from Olympiakos. Now, you wonder, had Forrest been a Premier League club with those players there, whether they would have come... the city ground so he has got a club as well that that does have good players champions league players now the better players have never come to forest the other ones have because in terms of financial fair play and all that kind of thing difficult to do but now Hmm. you think that they've got that ability to to almost cross-pollinate the two clubs you know the players will the better players will come and play in the premier league because his his players at Olympiacos want to play in the premier league of course so there's the opportunity to do that. I don't think Norwich and, and Watford are, are a fair comparison. And I'll tell you why, because they've had two goes at it in Norwich's case to come up and do it right. Forrest are doing this for the first time. So I think if you've had a go twice and you've messed it up twice, you've got to take a look at yourself. And Stuart Webber came in as the bright eyed, bushy tailed chief exec. He got his way of doing it. He's going to stick to it. Come what may. It's not worked twice. So, You've got to look at their process now and wonder whether it's right. Watford the same? Too many changes. Too many. Goes back to the point I made. They get promoted with one team, and then they get relegated with a completely different one, and then they, they start again. And I think when they're in the Premier League before, you know, if you've got Sar on the wing, I mean, you, you should be getting promoted with players like that. So let's let's not worry too much about that. But I think from a, an owner's perspective, from a, a recruitment perspective, you know, I think the feeling has always been in there. But because of the financial restrictions placed upon the club as a championship side, it's very hard for them to get out because they've got no parachute payment and they're not a club that generates a great deal of revenue outside of ticket sales because they've only got a couple of lounges, they've only got a few boxes. You know, it's not as if they can generate a load of their own money from within, so it's hard. When you get into the Premier League and those restrictions are eased then the financial benefit that Forrest have with their owner then becomes more of a factor because he can now use that to make them better. I'm not saying that it's easier to stay in the Premier League than get into the Premier League, but you kind of get where I'm, where I'm coming from, that he's got more room now as an owner, as a Premier League side, for his financial advantage to be advantageous to Forrest. So it would be a good thing. And I don't think he's got promoted just to go, well, let's get relegated again then. I think they're all going to give it a damn good go. And if they're not good enough this time, I think they'll set themselves up as a club to be able to come back again after that. And also what you've got to think about is they want to make a lot of improvements at the training ground and the academy, which makes you a better club down the line. And they've now got the finance to do that. They want to make the city ground bigger, which again has a big impact on the club, not just, just in terms of the fans in the city who can go and watch, but then it does make you stronger from a revenue standpoint because you've got more facilities within your stadium and you can use it for different things and you make the club bigger. So I think the pot is something like 180000000 million, isn't it, this year? Mm. It's gone up again. So it's a lot of money and some of it's going to be used for a bigger wage bill, some of it's going to be used on players. Some of it also, I suspect, is going to be used on the infrastructure of the club to make it a better club. And then you start to grow the club as well. It's not just about a season in the Premier League on the pitch. They want to get bigger off the pitch too. And that should be applauded as well. It should be supported too because that ultimately down the line is going to make everything easier and more straightforward. And hopefully it then gives you more chance to succeed on the pitch.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've led into the point I wanted to finish on really because I know you want to go to Market Square. It's kind of relevant to what oh, I wanted to
1: say. Listen, I'll leave you hanging. I'm off to the Market Square. Taxi <laughs> Forest shirts in there. We're all ready to go. I've only put a T-shirt on for you. I've got the shirt in there. I'll be down to the middle of it with everybody. Don't worry about that.
0: Well, let me get this last point and I'll let you answer it. Um, I live on the edge of Leicester. Yeah. And every kid around here wears Leicester shirts because they're good. There's no City shirts. There's no United shirts. There's, very few, there's a few Liverpool shirts. But you talk about the excitement of your boy there yesterday and the excitement it's going to generate in the, the city. I mean, there's a new generation of Forest fans is what I'm getting at who are going to fall in love with the club. And this is going to open so many doors, isn't it? This Yesterday, it, it, Cooper said it was life-changing. I mean, it, it is really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And, I mean, it's a good thing. And it's something that the, the shirt makers have got to work out. You couldn't buy a shirt for love and the money heading into the final. If you didn't have one, you couldn't get one. And they were being sold on eBay for ridiculous amounts of money. 200, 250 quid. It <laughs> bonkers. But you couldn't go to the club shop and get a shirt. Now, they've got to address that. They want to see people walking down the streets of Nottingham in shirts. They've got to make them available, number one, because they would have sold 10,000 of the blooming things, I would have thought, for Wembley, mm. at least. But you couldn't get one. So they've got to address that for a start. But I think there is a new generation. My boy, I, I, I'd not taken my family to, they, they, we go off and do the games in Europe and they don't, they don't travel. But because it was Paris, the Eurostar, they came with me to the, Champions League final, and I can tell you now, my kids were way more excited about going to Wembley yesterday because it was forest and they, and they care about it than they were watching what is called and is the biggest club game in, in world football on the Saturday night Champions League final. That was a nice night out, they enjoyed it. But all they spoke about all weekend was Wembley, Forest, Wembley, Forest, Wembley, Forest. Are we going to get up? So, there is a generation now, and if you're a youngster now. And you go down there and it's 29,000 and it's raucous. And you go to Wembley and it's like that. Why do you want to go anywhere else? Why would you want to go watch anybody else? What are you going to get anywhere else? We've got a unique fan base and a unique club. Two European Cups. And all the European Cup winners next season from England are going to be in the division together again. Why, why Why do you need to support anybody else. If, if, they, if they're messing about in League One, as they were, or struggling at the bottom of this, I get it. Maybe you don't want to do it. Why, why would you pick anybody else now and go and experience that? Because I think the biggest thing of being a football fan is what it feels like. I'm a bit of an old romantic like that, but I'm a field person. So when I walk in the ground and I feel it, I want to go back. I could take you to a lot of grounds in the country and you don't feel it. You feel it at Forest, And if you take your son or daughter to that match and you stand there and Mulliken Tire comes on and the whole place goes up and Forest are playing well and there's that buzz all the way through, that utter raw emotion, which you get in that stadium from a, a, a fan base that's been through thick and thin, by the way, and never wavered. Thick and thin and never wavered. Think about that. You think about some of them clubs in the Premier League, right, that have been made by money. And if they stopped winning, what would the grounds look like? What would the ground look like? They're half empty. Mm. I've been the Champions League semi-finals and they can't fill it, some of them. Crackers, crackers. Yet they call themselves big clubs. That won't happen here. Win, lose or draw next season, that place will be full because you can count on the supporters to do it because they've been there through thick and thin. It's a genuine relationship between Nottingham people and that club. And, and that is special. It should be nurtured. And for everybody that's been there, everybody who experienced the second leg against Yeovil, everybody who was in League One, everybody who's been there, I'm so pleased for them because I've lived in this city all my life and I won't leave it. And I know what it means. My granddad, when I was, when I was on his knee talk to me about Brian Clough. I've been lucky enough to work with Brian Clough. I've seen, I've been lucky enough to commentate on this club. I commentated on their last game in the Premier League, way back when. I've commentated on promotions, all sorts. And it's special and it will always be special. And I'm just pleased for everybody that it's back where it belongs. We're back where we belong. And I just I just hope everybody enjoys today. There'll be a buzz around the summer. And next season, it's just going to be magical. Absolutely magical. My son said to me yesterday on the way back, he said, you know what, Dad? He said, there aren't any bad fixtures now, are they?" He said, when you look at the programme and it was Hull at home, you think, well, I'll go, but, ooh, or Pizzabra, or whatever. He said, but even the rubbish ones next season are good, aren't they? So, I mean, there's not going to be a bad game next season. So, it's just I'm like a kid at Christmas. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm waffling, I'm going on, I apologise. I'm going to leave you and go to the market square and be annoying down there. But it's, ah, and I, I, I'm i also just pleased for everybody down there. I said it at the start. It doesn't get a mention. There are so many good people at that football club. You know, people like Nick Randall, Simon Fotheringham, uh, Dane Murphy, people behind the scenes that you don't see in, in the, in the, in the lounges and the ticket office. There's a smile on everybody's face when you walk through the door. And it's, 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 it's bang on. It'll do for me. And I, I I'm ecstatic.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish I could like bottle up the noise and the emotions of that Sheffield United game when the fans were cheering, oh. that Wembley experience, that Mull of Kintyre who celebrated it, wow. and then just you know, open the bottle whenever you're feeling low, and because you'll never forget it. It was unbelievable. Your taxi is about to arrive, your missus is gonna be banging on the door. Come on, Darren. So <laughs> I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna end it there. Uh, thanks to everyone who watched long and enjoyed it. If you're off to Market Square, like Fletch, have a great time. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, you made me almost cry there a bit. Fletch. Hey,
1: listen, if you are going, I'll meet you by the Lions. I said that on Twitter earlier. I'll meet you <laughs> by the Lions. Let's all we'll have it in the Market Square. I'll see you by the Lions.
0: Back tomorrow with Greg Mikey and to we'll talk about the fan experience at Wembley and their take on next season as well. Thanks for everyone who watched long. I said if you liked it, uh, like and subscribe. The usual stuff, the usual appeal I make. We're getting loads more viewers and subscribers so I appreciate that. Right. Fletch, thank you very much.
1: I, I'm so glad you've had me on this morning. I'm, I'm, otherwise, I would have annoyed everybody in the other room. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you should, yeah, well, Lauren can thank me as well then for not annoying you. <laughs> right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, thanks very much. Dan, you can press the end now. See everyone soon.